Hey, good morning. church this morning so we'll just keep everybody over here I don't think we have any children's church age kids here all right well good to have everybody here uh, this morning if you want to mark in your hymnals number 321 Jesus is calling we'll use that for our hymn of invitation this morning and, uh, certainly uh, good to be here with you good to see everybody out good to have you folks logging into Facebook or onto YouTube later and uh, good to have you with us this morning and invite you and any visitors we have uh, invite you to be out with us uh, at any time that you can it continues and it's always a privilege for me to share in God's Word with you of course we know that uh, end of September is upon us as I said earlier and, and uh, the holiday season is coming quickly I know one thing we will need to uh, I uh, meant to mention during our announcement time and failed to do that. We'll be having our, our uh, fall festival or trunk or treat or whatever you would like to call it uh, toward the end of the month. So we need to be thinking about that and working toward those plans. And then, of course, uh, before we know it, that will be here. And then, and then Thanksgiving and, and Christmas uh, will be here as well. So uh, we look forward to this time of year. So we have so many opportunities to speak to people uh, each and every day in this time of year we, we bump into people and I was along those lines I was scanning over as I often do the internet last night and I use uh, uh, MSN as my home page my browser and I usually scan just to catch up on the world events and, and see what's going on and sometimes I get a sermon idea from it and well that was last night I got a sermon idea as I was scanning through because I was kind of shocked <clears throat> somewhat uh, to find not just a single article but several articles casting a bad light on God and Christianity I don't know if the boys have it if you switch over to the next slide there Austin uh, that's two uh, I copied and pasted the, the pictures uh, one of them is why I don't believe in God uh, another one was Christianity a dangerous cult scrolled on through and there was another article REM which if you remember back in the 90s was a, a uh, popular music group says REM was right we are losing our religion and uh, then I stopped scrolling at myth has no place in reality teaching children the biblical Christmas story and it went on to talk about the myth of the, of the Christmas story well uh, Last night, I was thinking to myself, well, this is an assault, certainly, because there was, there was no other subject that had four or five articles uh, on, on MSN's page. So I thought, well, let's be fair. Let me go over and look at some of the other pages, and I did. I looked at Fox and, and Yahoo, and that's all the ones I know other than that. There was nothing there along these lines. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty obvious then that uh, uh, they, they certainly want to try here on a Saturday night or a weekend. Uh, and it's a sad thing. Just 10 minutes of scrolling uh, to find that much. And me just trying to catch up on the world news. And I, what I got was a visual assault on my beliefs. And I thought, uh, this is kind of an odd thing. Because there was not a single article about Muslims, Buddhists, or Jewish religions. Nowhere. 
about that. It kind of makes you go, hmm, doesn't it? But it did me anyway. Now I did catch a couple of articles that was sandwiched in there in between that. One was called Modern Monogamy. And uh, the other was about uh, the benefits of open marriage. Is it right for you, the question asked. And modern monogamy now is apparently the, the new age of thinking is that you can have a different spouse according to the season of your life. Uh, your spouse of your youth may not be the spouse that you have your midlife crisis with. It may not be the spouse that you have uh, your old golden years with. But that's the modern monogamy. So we see those switching things. Culture being a, a, a attacking the truths of God's Word. Well, this morning I thought, I just wonder what it looks like this morning. So I go back over to the internet page and here's what I find this morning. 21 reasons why Americans are turning their back on religion. The 10 most confusing things Jesus did. And 10 reasons Christians don't read their Bibles. So you can see that they were really devoted and faithful in their mission to spending all weekend to, to knocking down religion. Because that same MSN is my homepage at work and I don't see those articles Monday through Friday. Just on the weekend. Wonder why. When do we meet? On Sundays. Now, on the good side of the, the debit or the ledger, let me say this. I didn't look over on Fox News this morning and and it talked about it. Anybody heard about the, the, the big baptisms at Auburn University down in Alabama? Over 200 students were baptized. Coach Hugh Freeze was even took part in one of the baptisms. And that was the no-no that brought the article up on Fox's channel page this morning. The foundation, Freedom From, Freedom From Religion, sent a letter of warning to Auburn University that because Coach Freeze participated in the baptism of one of his football players, that that was a violation of the separation of church and state, and they were going to be sending a letter of warning they were violating the constitutional rights of the students by forcing them to have religion or to accept Christianity. So there was some good news and, and some sad news mixed in with that. But I say those things and I bring those articles to mind this morning because I want us to realize and understand how devoted those that want to marginalize Christianity, those that want people to doubt in God's truth and his word, how devoted they are to that mission. Because it's important for us to know and realize and understand. Because we send our young people out to colleges. We send our young people out to work or travel on different types of things. These are the things that they will be exposed to. They will have their, their beliefs called into question. They will and we will have our beliefs called into question. Any Christian, anyone that believes the truth of the Bible can stand today to, to expect to be mocked, ridiculed, called old-fashioned, out of touch, a hate monger, intolerant. All of those words are used to describe Christians. Not the other religious groups I mentioned. Christians. So there is an assault on that. And it also makes you wonder, well, why is it they just assault Christianity and not the other religions? 
Well, if you were wanting to get the truth tamped down, which would you go after? The one speaking truth. So I want us to think about devotion. Because in the world we live in today, there are, as I said, people dedicated to trying to give Christianity and Christians a black eye, shove us in the corner, and make God irrelevant in our nation today. So the title of this morning's sermon, I want you to ask yourself this, is Am I That Devoted? Am I that devoted? Am I more devoted than the enemy is devoted? Or faithful? That's another good word that we can use. As we finish up the month of September, come off a revival, some wonderful messages, all of those based off of faith and the faithfulness of the patriarchs that we, we've studied about. Am I that faithful that I can face the world that I am facing today and teaching my children and those that I have contact with and those that I have influence with that they can have that same kind of faith in the face of these types of assaults? And it's all legal. And it's not going to hurt you physically. None of those articles I could not have read. I could have just chose to, to shoot on by. But the headlines are there. And those headlines, whether you read the article or not, automatically have an effect on, on you when you read those. And that's what we have to understand about the world that we live in today. The Bible calls for us to devote our lives to God and His service. And that devotion compels us to give all that we have to Him. But are we giving all? Matthew 22, 37, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, is where we will start this morning. Matthew 22, verse 37. Then we'll finish up and be mostly in Romans after this. Jesus says this, very familiar to us. We know this word, these, these words of Christ. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy mind, Jesus says. When questioned about the commandments, which is the greatest of the commandments, remember that? They're asking him, love the Lord. And what was the second one? Because they were both, that's where all of all the prophets was. Love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. He reminds us that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our minds. And in many ways, we know in our minds that we should be totally devoted to the Lord. We understand the command that Jesus gave. And no doubt, if I asked everyone in this room as we walked out this morning, or anyone that came tonight, or anyone that came Wednesday night, or anyone that was here during homecoming and revival, do you love the Lord? Oh yes, I love the Lord. No, nobody would say, no, I don't love the Lord. I like him, he's okay. We would all say that I love the Lord. No doubt. But when you ask yourself the question, and I'm never going to ask you, because I'm never going to judge you on this, because this has to do with your personal relationship with God, nothing to do with me. When I ask you to ask yourself, do I love the Lord with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind? And you ask yourself that question, and you answer it honestly, where do you end up on that scale? 
Are there things that you love in this world more than you love God? Because that's what Jesus calls us to do. One of the things in one of those articles was talking about contradictions in the Bible. That Jesus came and said that you have to hate your mother and your father. That's, that was it. Well, the top ten reasons or ten most confusing things that Jesus said. you got to hate your mom and dad, he says. It doesn't say that. I mean, it does, but it's not what Christ was talking about. You have to love God more. Another thing it was said, you gotta, you got to participate in cannibalism. Because Jesus wants you to, to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Well, we did that as symbols, as reminders of the, of the, the sacrifice at the cross he made. And that's the devotion that they have is to twist and to turn things around, to confuse people. Oh, God, hate your mom and dad. You've got to be a cannibal. I ain't going to have no part of that Christianity. So it's easy if you're looking for a reason to not come to the truth of, or follow the truth of God's word. It's easy. You can go through and find plenty of support. Plenty. Well, that's why I'm not full with that crazy Christians. Where do we stand as Christians? Do we have things that are higher priority than God in our life? Again, ask that question, you would say, no. There's no way. There's nothing more important to me than God. But I ask you to be honest with yourself and look in the mirror and judge yourself and say, is that true? Is the way that I answer that question true? Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and we'll see what Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Again, another passage of Scripture that we're very familiar with that has to do with this very thing about our faith and about our devotion. Paul writes in, in Romans 12, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here, of course, Paul's telling the church at Rome to, to present himself as someone that is loving the Lord their God with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind. Because when you love something that much, you're willing to sacrifice yourself for that, right? You're willing to, to put off the old. Old priorities are no longer the priority. God and his service is the priority. That's what he's saying there, basically. He's saying there that your life will be a reflection of the sacrifice that you're willing to make of the old man. Of the old way, of the old things that were important to you, of the things that you were faithful to before. And we see that here about our commitment to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of the Lord. A little funny way of looking at this. I have a story for you, a little funny story. We got it up there. Next slide. That's Buddy. I don't know if you can see too good, but that's Buddy. Buddy's a horse. Okay? Now, there was this farmer. He was tending to his horse one day, and his horse is named Buddy, and along came a stranger who really needed some help from him. He had seems driven his car off into the ditch. And he asked 
the farmer. He said, can you give me some help? I see you have a horse there. Would you be able to bring him out and, and see if he can pull my car out of the ditch for me? He said, well, I don't know. He said, uh, if it's a big car, I wouldn't want my horse to be injured trying to, to pull your car. And the man said, no, it's a small car. And you can see it is a, well, it's a small car. He said, it's a small car. I don't think you would have any trouble. The farmer said, okay, I'll, I'll bring Buddy out. We'll see if we can we can get the uh, car out of the ditch. So they go out and, and he hooks up the rope to the car and fixes it up to Buddy and grabs the reins and he says, uh, all right, here we go, pull Casey. And the horse would not budge. And then the farmer said, pull, Bailey, pull. And the horse, Buddy didn't move. And, and he says, pull, Mandy. And the horse would not move again. And the farmer said, pull, Buddy, pull. And when he said, pull, buddy, pull, out come the car. Right out of the ditch, no problem at all. The man that owned the car was really relieved. He said, well, I'm glad that you got my car out of the ditch, but I have a question. Why did you call out four horses' names three prior to calling out Buddy's name to pull the car out? And he said, well, simple fact is, is Buddy's blind. And if he thinks he was doing something by himself, he wouldn't have ever pulled that car out of the ditch. <laughs> and sometimes we're that way too. When we think we're the only ones pulling on the rope, we just won't pull. We think that the job is too hard. I, ain't have, I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the capability to do that. But if I think I've got someone pulling on the rope with me, then I'll pull. So think about our commitment. It's easy to be committed when we have a group of people that we think are doing the same thing, pulling on the rope at the same time. But commitment that Christ is calling us to, that God is calling us to, is to pull on the rope when we're by ourselves. And when we do that with faith, we can pull the little car out of the ditch, whether there's someone there or not. So that's what I want to think about is commitment. And when you get a, a shade of doubt, when you think about you, you, you're not able to do that. Just think about Buddy. Just think about Buddy. He did it because he thought he had help. And you do have help in the Holy Spirit. You do have help in the teachings of Christ. You're never alone as a Christian in your commitment. Now something else Paul marks here uh, in chapter 12, verse 2, the first part, he says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's a hard thing to do, folks. And I'm not so sure that's not the biggest obstacle that we have to face. And I'm not so sure it's not the biggest obstacle our young people face and the younger generations face. It's being not conformed to this world. Because there is so much pressure to do just that from the world, to conform to, to whatever the worldview is, you must conform or be isolated. Conform or be ridiculed. Conform or be marginalized. See what I'm saying? But that goes against the exact opposite of what the scriptures tells us. That we're not to conform ourselves to the world, but be transformed. In other words, changed from what the world is to what Christ would have us to be, which is pleasing to God through his teachings which is the whole point of those articles that I was talking about earlier. 
They were, they're marginalizing Christianity and they want Christianity to conform to the world. Instead of the opposite, which is what Jesus teaches, which is what Paul's writing to the church at Rome, the world must transform to what God's plan is. But we see that as being a problem. And there's a lot of things going on, and we know. And I'm not, and I'm not criticizing activities. But there's a lot of things that we conform to the world in the activities that we do. I'll just say it that way. We look no different. A lot of things we conform to the world and the activities that we do, but yet we call ourselves Christians that are supposed to be transformed, yet we're not transformed. We are not transformed. And that's something that I think marginalizes us by choice. When I refuse to be transformed as God would have me to be, then I purposefully am not being pleasing to I'm not trying to change. I don't want to change. God, you've got to accept me just like I am or don't accept me at all. And he does. But so that you may be transformed into something better. But we want to stay in that untransformed state and still get the blessings. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. That's not what we see about the truth of God's word. Sometimes we hide our faith, don't we? Sometimes we won't object to something that we know is wrong or we will participate in something we know we shouldn't participate in or we'll talk in certain circles using language that we would never use in front of friends at church, would we? Because it's not convenient to be transformed. It makes me isolated if I look like I'm transformed from what I was or from what they are to what I am supposed to be. And I know those are hard questions. I know those are difficult things, but that's what we're talking about is commitment. And that's what we're talking about, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. It's got to be more important to be transformed to, to prove out your commitment than to be untransformed to be accepted by what the world shows. Staying focused takes a determination. No matter what you're focusing on, you have to keep your mind on what you're doing. We all know that, right? Whether it's fixing something that's broken, whether it's preparing a meal, whether it's doing some other type of task at work, if you lose your focus, you're liable to veer off and, and maybe make, not tighten the nut, put, fail putting in an ingredient, something in, do something that messes it up. You've got to stay focused. And if we look at what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12. Now, if you remember, like I said, for homecoming, we was in Hebrews 11 a lot. And at the conclusion of that, chapter 12 begins in verse 1 and 2. The writer transitions and he says, wherefore? Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, he used that transitional word that we're going from all of the, the stories, the encouragement of all the patriarchs of faith and how that they walked and never seen, they believed in the promise, but yet they never saw the promise. He tells us this in 12, 1 and 2. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. Jesus did that. He was faithful in what he was called to do by the Father, God the Father. And that's what the Hebrew writer is telling us or encouraging us to do is, is just like we have those examples in the scripture, we have examples in our own lives. That great cloud of witnesses, the people that have gone on and have served faithfully before, that were transformed, that did not conform to the world. We have those examples in our families, in our friends, in our neighbors to push forward and be devoted, to be faithful, to be transformed, just as Christ was, so that we can have the hope of the resurrection just as he promises. And that's what we see here in Hebrews. Patient endurance, extreme focus. And when we think about that, faith and devotion are really the same word. Because we have to have faith. If you look back at any of those, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they had devotion to God or they could have never stayed faithful to God. So their faithfulness was a sign of their devotion. Their devotion was a sign of their faithfulness. And we have that examples to follow and also to judge ourselves by. To judge ourselves by as well. So listen true and prove, myself included, on being focused, on being devoted to God. To being focused on what Christ teaches. And then finally, our thinking. Back over in Romans chapter 12, the second part of verse 2. Be transformed with the renewing of your mind. And the outcome of that renewal of the mind is that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? When any one of us became a Christian, God wanted us to begin to reshape the way that we think. And we're going to look at this scripture in a second over in Isaiah 55, but God tells us that our ways are not his ways, and his ways are not our ways, and we have to change our way of thinking to conform to his. Again, looking at the example that the world that we live in today. The world keeps spiraling down this rabbit hole of more and more sin and more things that the Bible speaks against. One of the things that one of those articles talked about was how that the, it preached, the Bible preached hate toward people. When actually the only thing I've ever heard God's word say that he hates is sin. That's what God hates. And there are certain things that he calls an abomination, but it's a sin. It's an abomination because it goes against creation. He doesn't hate the people. He hates what the people are engaged in. So we have to understand that our thinking cannot line up, cannot conform with anything that the world thinks about. That's on everything. We have to either believe all of this book or none of this book. We can't choose to, to follow some of it. And then decide, well, that's not convenient for me to follow that other part. I believe this, but I'm not going to follow that. 
because it's acceptable by the world standards for me to not follow that. I have plenty of support from other Christians that don't follow that, even though they don't tell me, I see it. And then in the same way, we are, we're not conformed. We're not transformed. Because transformation means a complete change, a total change. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Many of those articles seem to be, read, uh, to me, changing the way people think about Christians and back to the viewpoint of the world. And when we really get down to it, it's not our view. It's not Rob's viewpoints. It's God's viewpoints. But those articles casted doubt that being against sin was really the right thing to do. That being against sin was being hateful. Because after all, don't we have the right to live and do as we please? I mean, really, is marriage that important? Isn't it old-fashioned just to be committed to one person? Shouldn't you be allowed to have several people in your life that, that you're committed to and those seasons of your life? And really, teaching the kids about the Bible is not the best way, is it? Teaching them from the Bible, shouldn't they be able to form their own opinions without the influence of the Bible in their lives? I mean, we are modern times, right? We don't want to indoctrinate these children out of the Bible. And you know, really now looking back, maybe religion's just not that important at all. Maybe it was important at a time because it helped people get through struggling, difficult times, but we don't have those times like that anymore. We don't need that. And I think a politician referred to it as a crutch. We don't need religion as a crutch anymore because we're above that. See, the world's thinking has transformed from what it was 20, 40, 60, 100 years ago. There's no doubt the world views things differently than the world views things now. You know why? Because people used to be transform from the world into God's word and now they have over the course of the decades they have changed that so our thinking has changed and if you read articles like that there is no doubt it's some way going to affect the way you think now for me it had the effect of that's the enemy attacking but what if I was someone that already had a little bit of doubt or someone that was a little bit skeptical or someone that just needed that last little bit of evidence to say, nah, we're not going to fool with that. That would seal the deal for me. Any of those articles could easily do that because that's the validation that I'd be looking for. Oh, right here it says it. Here it is. Not just one article, four or five articles. And they all support each other. And that confirms my belief all along. Religion's old, outdated stuff, and we really don't, and then people really are hateful. Yeah, they're against people that want to live their life just however they want to live it. I don't want any part of that. And that's why it's so important that we have the examples of a transformed person. Because that's the examples they're getting. So how is it we can change our way that we think?
to understand the way God thinks. And, and I told you this earlier. Isaiah 55, verse 8, as we finish up. Now, in chapter 55 of my particular Bible, it, it captures it. It says, a free offer of mercy to all. And that still holds true today. But in verse 8, God tells Isaiah this. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. We have to remember that. I've got to try to conform myself to God's Word and not think for myself that my way ever is the right way. God's way is always the right way. And that's how you're transforming your thinking. To see things from God's perspective, we have to change the fact that we are the way I, the way I think. And all of those points will help us improve our devotion to God, our faithfulness to God. And I encourage you and myself to improve on that. Because you can always improve your faith. You can always improve your devotion. No one in this room is above that. No one. And I encourage us all. Because the assault is there outside these walls. Outside of these walls, that assault is going on every day. Every Saturday and Sunday, apparently, on MSC. To make sure that if you were thinking about going to church today or tomorrow, here's you a few reasons, here's you five or six or a dozen articles, why not to go? Because no one else is. We're losing our religion. Jesus said some things that's hard to understand. Why I don't believe in God. Does God really exist? Same one kind of encouraging article as I finish up here. And I thought, well, maybe this is the ray of hope. It says, eight, thing, eight places in America that proves the Bible is true. Well, that's going to be interesting. So I go through and I start looking. And you know what the eight places in America that proves the Bible is true or real? not true, it said real, the Bible's real. Some tourist sites. Christus Gardens down in Catlinburg, the Ark Encounter up in Northern Kentucky was two of them. There were some other tourist sites, but that was their way to prove that the Bible was real. It's because people had went out to do these things, and they're wonderful places. I like, when we go to Catlinburg, I like to go through the Christus Gardens and go through that and we really enjoyed the ark because it brought so much together from the story in the Bible. The other places I've not visited. But that's not what makes the Bible real. It's my faith and my devotion that it's God's word and it's true is what makes it real. And what is it for you? That's what I want you to think about. Where is your devotion? Where is your faith placed? I'm not going to ask you on the way out, do you love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, but I want you to think, I want you to ask yourself that question. Do I really? Do I love him so much that I'm going to take what his word says and I'm going to transform those areas in my life that I know that I have held back? That I've been conformed to the world 
and saying I'm transformed, but really I'm not. So that's the challenge for you for this week, is to look at yourself, an honest assessment with God's Word, with the Holy Spirit, and you can change that two ways. Number one, God's Word talks about that we need a Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have to hear the Word, believe it, repent of your sins, confess Christ as your Savior, be buried with Him in baptism to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins, raise that new creation to begin your transformation, to live faithfully until Christ returns. The other is this. Maybe you realize, you know what? I have held back since I I've not been transformed in this particular area of my life. I need to do that. You can rededicate yourself to God right where you sit, right where we stand, right when you're driving home. In either case, we're going to sing the invitation, Jesus is calling, number 321. And I like this one. Where did it go? Last slide. There we go. How often do we see that pop up on our cell phones? Because I know everybody's got cell phones now. Most everybody, I would say, 99% of the people do. You get a phone call and you get two options, don't you, with anybody that calls. You can accept the phone call or you can decline the phone call. Jesus calls those that he does not know as Savior. And it's the same as what that right there is saying. You either accept it or you decline it. You decline the offer from the Savior for salvation. What's your decision today? Would you come as we stand and sing 321, Jesus is calling the third and the fourth verse.